The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, folks. I am so glad that you could join us. Today's guest is someone that we heard from just a couple of weeks ago, and I love all my guests, but sometimes I have a guest that I just have to have back on because... We have such an engrossing discussion, something that's really engaging, and I am just not done by the end of the show. And so I wanted to have Keith back on with us. A couple weeks ago, we ran a show called, Is It Better to Bury or Burn Our Trash? And we talked about landfills. We talked about uh, conversion technologies that can take our waste that's after we get all the recyclables out of our waste, instead of sending it to a landfill, there's a technology to send it into an incinerator that can create clean, renewable energy. And we're going to dive much deeper into that subject and talk about what our options are. Um, Keith is the um, Manager of Sustainability and Environmental Assessment, uh, their program at RTI International. He's going to be talking with us about the technologies and all of the options that we have about what to do with our waste. If we've recycled everything we possibly can, what then? Do we have to send it to a landfill? Is there some other option? And is that option actually better for the environment and for our own human health? And that's what we're going to be digging into. Keith, thank you so much for making time to be back on Go Green Radio. We're so glad to have you. Well, thank you, Jill. I'm happy to be back. Well, it's awesome. And I think this is one of those topics that people really don't think about. You know, we we have our little recycling bins at home, and we do our best, and some people even kick it up a notch and they compost. But once those containers go out to curbside and some big truck comes through our neighborhood to take it away, a lot of folks don't think about what happens next at all. And it's really cool for us to be on talking about what options communities have. And we talked about the possibility of taking the waste that's, you know, post-recycled and turning it into energy. And I wanted you to really tell us in more specific detail how much energy we could be producing from our waste here in the U.S. if we were doing that, if we were converting it into renewable energy. How much could we produce? Sure. Um, Generally, as a rule of thumb, the numbers that are used to equate waste to energy such as oil or ton are uh, one ton of, of waste is approximately equal to one barrel of oil or a quarter ton of coal. Now, given that there's about 300 million tons of, of waste that's generated per year in the U.S. and two to 300 million maybe landfilled, depending on what numbers you're using, um, converting all that to energy uh, would equate to approximately 10% of the total coal used in the U.S. to produce electricity and a lower percent of the total coal use um, for the country in general. 
Now, um, oil isn't used as much in the U.S. to produce electricity, and most of the waste that is converted to energy is, is mostly waste to electricity. But if we were to use oil as a, a basis, um, it would replace approximately 5% of the total U.S. oil consumption per year or about 10% of oil imports. And these are all quick back-of-the-envelope type calculations. Um, but that gives you a sense of if we were to take all the waste that's generated and convert it to, to energy, what that impact might be nationally. And, now, and, really, there's, right. there's two modes that you can address energy in, a, in the waste area. And, you know, we've talked about producing energy from waste, um, but there's also saving energy consumption through recycling. And, you know, for readily recyclable materials, the energy savings is at least equivalent and maybe better than, than you would get from a, a waste energy type scenario. And this, of course, depends on the exact mix of materials that you're recycling. Uh, for example, metals have a much better energy savings than, than glass, for example. Um, but one thing to remember is that if you, know, if you have a recycling program, um, for most areas of the U.S., uh, more than half of their waste would still be going to a landfill. So if you look at a, a block of waste that's generated in a community as a whole, um, even if you have a very good recycling program, the the net energy balance as compared to sending all that waste to a waste energy facility would be about equal. Um, so there's a balance between expending a lot of extra cost and energy to get, you know, the next marginal bottle or piece of paper or plastic out of the waste that's generated and the benefit that you actually get from the energy offset. And let's talk about this energy that comes from a waste-to-energy conversion plant. Um, you know, I've mentioned that it's clean, renewable energy. Um, in the state of California, I know that it is considered such. Florida, I believe, the same. Um, you know, some people might think, oh, my goodness, incinerating trash, and they have visions of black smoke and, you know, something awful coming out of the stacks. But... Um, tell us a little bit about the composition of this energy. Why can we say that the energy coming out of a waste-to-energy plant is clean and renewable? Well, the industry is very tightly regulated in terms of emissions. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, what people bring up about uh, waste incinerators or waste energy plants comes from data back in, in the 70s and maybe early 80s when the regulation wasn't as tight. But since then, um, the new uh, Clean Air Act uh, amendments and standards that have been put in place have greatly reduced uh, most of the harmful emissions that were coming out of these facilities. Um, for example, um, you know, two big ones are dioxin and mercury, and dioxins are down from waste energy plants about 99% from 1990 and currently re represent... Um, about half a percent of the total U.S. Uh, emissions of dioxin. Um, mercury uh, is a similar case. It's down about 95 percent uh, from 1990 and represents about 2 percent of the total U.S. emissions of, of mercury. Um, and, you know, there's cases where, um, if you're talking about dioxins, for example, where 
if you would look at residential wood-burning fireplaces and, you know, open burning of waste, which happens a lot uh, still today in, in rural areas, um, dioxins from, from that alone are, are much higher than all the waste energy plants in the country combined. Wow. Now, that's, that's a really good apples-to-apples apples comparison. Um, I haven't heard that, that fact before. And you mentioned earlier in the show that, you know, we might be able to, if we were to convert all of our waste into energy, that that might represent, did you say 10% of the current coal uh, production that we're using? Of the current coal that's used to produce electricity. So now... I don't know what the latest data is, but I've read that you know there is some mercury that is emitted from coal plants, you know, that are using coal to create electricity. How does waste energy uh, mercury emissions compare to, say, a coal-fired electricity plant mercury emissions? Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but coal does produce uh, quite a bit of mercury emissions, and it's it's one of the more ironic things, um, I visited a, a waste energy plant outside of Washington, D.C., um, that a lot of people were, were against, um, citing, you know, mercury and other emissions that they presumed were coming from the facility. Um, but right next to that facility is a coal-fired power plant that, that really nobody ever raised any issues about. Um, but, you know, that coal-fired power plant, I'm sure, was spewing out more mercury and other pollutants than, than that waste energy plant that's there. Well, and that is part of why Go Green Radio exists, <laughs> to help uh, that kind of misinformation be uh, rectified with the facts. So I, I'm glad that uh, we're able to do that. Now, when we talk about taking all of this municipal solid waste that we have here in the U.S. and creating electricity out of it, how does the amount of energy that we could create if we were converting that municipal solid waste into electricity, how does that compare to the total U.S. electricity consumption? It's still pretty small. Uh, if, you know, if we're talking the existing landscape of waste energy facilities, uh, you're looking at 80-odd um, plants in the U.S., so it's really a small number compared to the current power generation uh, facilities. Um, but if we were to start, uh, you know, moving in the direction of having more municipal waste energy type facilities, um, you know, on average, you could probably approximate that that a a good size waste energy facility would be about, um, you know, half uh, half of the output or, or a fraction of the output of a coal-fired power plant, and quite a bit lower than than a, a nuclear plant. Um, so you still get, you know, a better energy conversion efficiency of fossil fuels than you would municipal waste. Um, so on a relative basis, it's, you know, one waste energy plant um, might be a, a tenth of a coal-fired power plant, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's why if we look at these facilities purely from an energy-producing standpoint, that's only part of the equation. You know, it's also about things like, you know, reducing some of the ill effects of, of landfills and other waste management solutions, again, after we've recycled everything that we can. Is a waste energy facility an effective option for reducing carbon emissions? How does that work into the, the carbon emissions equation? Yes, well, you get two 
areas where you would do, reduce carbon emissions. One is um, you're avoiding sending the material to a landfill where it otherwise would be producing methane gas. And two, you're, you're creating um, energy in the form of electricity and possibly heat that would be presumably displacing some electricity production in the utility sector. So if you look at this on a life cycle type basis, um, there's a couple different areas where you get benefits. Um, and in addition to the, the electricity offset, um, almost all facilities recover metals from, from the ash. So there is a significant amount of uh, carbon reductions or benefits associated with the metals recycling that are associated with these facilities. Sure. Well, we've got to take a quick break, Keith, but uh, this is a great line of thought. I want to continue on this vein when we come back. Folks, don't go away. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we'll be back with more Go Green Radio right after this. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa provides homeowners and investors eager to invest well in real estate the knowledge, resources, and tools necessary to generate significant wealth. Our focus will be the paradigm. Live where you want. Invest where it makes the most sense. Listen live to the brightest minds in real estate investment every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. That's Income Property Investment Talk with Peter Mosca and Dean Issa, where America learns to invest. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If you're just joining us, we have Keith White on the phone with us. He is the manager of the Sustainability and Environmental Assessment Program at RTI International. We're doing a part two uh, show today. Part one was a couple weeks ago, and we talked to Keith about the pros and cons of landfilling versus incinerating our waste. Um, what are the advantages of each and what are the downsides of each technology? Um, again, this is one of those topics that touches every single one of us in two ways. First of all, it's what happens to our waste after we've done all of our curbside recycling and maybe composting and we put, you know, what's left out on the curbside to have it taken away. Um, and it also affects us because when that waste is managed in our communities, whether it's landfilled or whether it is sent to a waste-to-energy facility, it matters. It matters to our health, what's happening, and it matters because the opportunities to create clean and renewable energy, you know, are vast. There are many different technologies, um, but some of them are so cost-prohibitive. Sometimes we talk about solar and wind. If it's not subsidized by the government with grants and whatnot, it can be so cost-prohibitive. And, uh, you know, maybe we can be looking at not wasting our waste and sending it to a plant to be turned into energy, although there are many cost considerations to that as well. And we're going to be talking about that with Keith because he and RTI International have done a lot of life cycle analysis on these very questions. And during the break, he and I were talking about how this is much more of a prevalent issue in the Northeast part of the United States where land to build new landfills is much more scarce than it is out here in the West where I live. Um, in fact, you know, I told Keith I'm very um, curious as to why more elected officials in the area that I live in don't know that waste to energy is an option over landfilling. They're not even aware of the technology, and it's not as if the technology is new. It's just that we're not as landlocked, and the cost of getting rid of waste in some landfill in a rural area or another is just not as much of an issue. It's not as in our grill, up in our face, as it is for elected officials in the northeast part of the country where the population is much more dense. Well, before the break, we were talking about um, how waste to energy affects carbon emissions. And, Keith, I, I kind of cut you off so we could take a commercial break, but talk to us again. Finish your train of thought on how effective an option waste energy is for reducing carbon emissions. Well, both waste energy and recycling are, are effective options for reducing carbon emissions, and they do it in actually fairly similar ways. Uh, they both, you know, if we were talking about, uh, you know, 100,000 tons of, of material that's recycled versus that same uh, block of 100,000 tons of waste going to a waste energy facility, both of them, you know, achieve the same carbon reductions in terms of avoiding sending that stuff to, to a landfill. Um, and really the, the indirect or direct en energy savings associated with the waste energy process or the recycling process is where the the big benefits come into in terms of carbon reductions, and you know if we're talking waste energy, you're you're displacing or offsetting um, fuels that would be extracted and processed and combusted in a utility uh, plant. Uh, you know that could be coal or gas or oil or nuclear fuel. Um, for recycling, we're talking about the energy savings coming from displacing or offsetting the extraction and processing of virgin raw materials. 
And if you look at both of those, um, just on, you know, a block of stuff that's recycled versus sending that same block through a waste energy facility, um, they're both roughly equivalent. And, if, you know, it really depends, again, on what's getting recycled or what type of, of utility grid mix is getting displaced. If you're displacing a grid mix that's largely a coal-based grid, you get a much better benefit. If you're recycling a lot of metals and high-energy materials, uh, then you get a lot of benefit from recycling. Um, but that, again, is just looking at, you know, what is recycled. And if you look at uh, communities with recycling programs, again, the thing I brought up um, previously was that a large portion of the waste uh, would still go to a landfill. Um, so if you look at, you know, the total regional or, or municipal waste that's generated and managed, um, you could send all of that or most of that to a waste energy facility um, versus recycling, which you would still have a large portion going to a landfill. So that's why the combination of, of having a, an aggressive recycling program and then other non-landfill options to manage that waste is, gets to be attractive. Well, you know, a lot of times on Go Green Radio, what I try to do is bring the discussion as close to the kitchen table as we can. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are in government. Some of them are elected officials and public policy setters. But a whole lot of our listeners are everyday people who want to know what's in it for me. So I guess my question would be, who is receiving the energy savings and carbon reduction benefits associated with recycling versus waste to energy? How local and how uh, personal can we get with these technologies? In other words, you know, sometimes with recycling, uh, you know, that seems to happen far away. Um, that seems to, you know, some of the things that would be created out of virgin materials versus recycled materials, you know, those plants are far away from where we live. But, you know, if we send our municipal solid waste that's, you know, post-recycling to a nearby waste-to-energy facility, it seems like we're going to be creating clean, renewable energy right here in our neighborhood. But maybe I'm wrong. Tell me you know, what's in it for the average citizen when you compare, you know, the energy savings of these two options? Yes, you're actually hitting at a very interesting question and issue, and, and it's a question about who benefits from energy production, from waste, or from recycling. Um, you know, as you hit on, there's, there's a lot of recyclables that are shipped out of the country to East Asia or other countries. So there's no local benefit in terms of energy savings aside from, you know, what's, what they're not sending to the landfill and avoiding the energy and emissions that would occur at the landfill. Um, so we really get into a case, if, and energy and carbon are sort of two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, energy, we have the renewable portfolio standards, and, and waste energy is a, a, you know, approved option for that in, in a number of states. Um, so if you're looking at a local level, uh, you know, it's an interesting uh, question about do we use waste to produce renewable energy or do we, you know, export it to another country for recycling and lose the renewable energy benefit of that but, you know, maybe get a, a global carbon benefit for that. Um, and, you know, the answer is probably somewhere in between where you recycle what's efficient uh, and effective to be recycled and, you know, after that, there's still a lot of waste that goes to a landfill that could otherwise be used as a, a renewable energy source and meet 
renewable portfolio standards. Well, you know, you raise an interesting point here. I'm going a little rogue here, and I'm going to, you know, this this may be upsetting to some folks, but I'm just going to ask the question. I don't think there's any harm in asking questions, just what if. If we end up with some semblance of cap-and-trade um, types of, you know, legislation, you know, where communities and states are held accountable for um, things like reducing their carbon emissions in a measurable way. Um, you know, I know that a lot of utilities are already being held to standards in parts of the country for creating a greater and greater percentage of their energy portfolio coming from renewable energy sources. How tempting or, or possibly how necessary will it become for municipalities that are under those types of restrictions to forego some of their recycling in order to get the credit for, you know, carbon reduction or, or on the flip side, you know, energy, green energy portfolio uh, options to incinerate their waste versus recycle it? Yeah, I don't know that that's going to be, you know, a terribly huge issue. You know, again, it's it's just if you look at the numbers about how much waste is is remaining after current recycling, um, it's it's still quite a lot, and, and more than the waste energy industry can can handle at this point or any time in the the near future. Um, you know, California alone, if we look at how much waste is landfilled each year, it's upwards of of you know, 40, 45 million tons per year. Um, so really, you know, the, it's not a either-or question. It's a, it's a plenty of waste to go around a question. Mm-hmm. What are some other pros and cons of recycling, Keith? Um, well, some of the pros of recycling is, of course, you're, you're conserving material. So, you know, Metals, for example, you can use again and again and again and make into new products without them degrading too much. Um, you know, other materials like uh, paper and plastics uh, degrade a little bit more each time you recycle them. But you're recycling that material and reusing it. Uh, you know, if we do use it in a waste energy type context, um, you know, that material's gone after we convert it to energy. Um, so it does have some, you know, benefits in terms of just conservation of materials. Um, on the the con side, again, most of the cons are really the uh, lack of of available uh, markets for specific types of materials, and you know this gets into some of the paper and and plastic categories in particular, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the the cross contamination that happens, uh, separation efficiencies that you you get or don't get at facilities. Um, so really, what it comes down to on the con side is is we can't now recycle every every material that's in the waste stream. We still have a lot of stuff that, that gets disposed of in landfills. And can we improve that? Uh, yes, you know, through technology. And, and if labor was cheaper um, in the States, for example, you could hire more pickers to sort through the waste and, you know, pull out, um, you know, get better material recovery out of that. So, you know, typically what you see in countries that have very low uh, labor wages is you you get you know um, teams huge teams of of people picking through the waste to recover as much as possible, um, but here you know that's somewhat cost prohibitive. So you know if the price of materials and or energy goes goes up over time, then 
you know, the, the higher cost of maybe recycling is, is negated. Um, but, you know, even with recycling, you have to haul materials around quite a bit. So if the, you know, it's, it's very dependent on the world economy, on energy prices, and, you know, one of the cons is actually uh, something we saw a couple of years ago when the world economy uh, went into a downturn and the recycling markets also went into a huge downturn. And so there was, um, you know, a lot of impact on, on local waste management operations, uh, particularly the recycling. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of the main cons of it is you're, you're almost at the mercy of the world economy on, on prices. That's a fact. I mean, and we talked about this during part one of our discussion on this. Here in California, so much of our um, paper and cardboard is shipped to China for recycling, and when they weren't buying it, because a lot of that tr- is turned into packaging for things we buy at Walmart or other you know, stores that have a lot of Chinese goods in them, uh, when we weren't buying those goods, um, they weren't they weren't you know, in need of all the packaging material. And the stockpiling of those materials was unbelievable. In fact, I even talked to a recycling, you know, broker who was afraid that some of his stockpiling was becoming a fire hazard. Um, and, and it really got bad. There were some emergency meetings at the California Integrated Waste Management Board. And, uh, you know, it quickly became apparent that we needed a diverse number of options to handle our recycled material to include some domestic options that we just didn't have. You know, we could not rely on a single source like China to take all of our recyclable materials. We've got to take a quick break, but we will be back in just a couple of minutes with more Go Green Radio. So don't go away. There's more right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. 
Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could join us. I want to give a big shout out to all my tweets who are following along with us. I know you guys are shy, so you don't call into the show, but you send me a lot of great tweets uh, about the show, and I want to thank you for that. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, it's at Jill Buck. You can check it out, talk to me that way, send me questions during the show. That's totally fine, and we will get to your questions the best that we can. We're talking about landfilling versus other options when it comes to our waste, and I know that a lot of our listeners are sort of on the cutting edge of uh, doing their very, very best to recycle at home and at work. Uh, a lot of you even compost. I get a lot of your emails and tweets about uh, what you're doing in your gardens to compost. But we're talking about some of the choices that our communities make that actually we can have an impact on. You know, a lot of these hearings uh, take place in public um, when your municipality or board of supervisors or city council are making decisions about what to do with what's left over after you do your recycling and composting, whether they decide to send it to a landfill, whether they decide to look into waste-to-energy facilities, you can be part of that. And I encourage you to be part of that discussion because once you get smart on these issues, thanks to listening to our guest, Keith Whites, today, um, you can engage in the public discussion about what happens to your waste so that it isn't wasted. It's actually a great source of energy. There are lots of options, and uh, we're talking about that today. Before we went on break, Keith and I were talking about how recycling, well, it's a great thing, and we all know that. It's better to conserve those resources and use them again than just throwing them in a big hole and burying them in the ground. There are some global issues when it comes to recycling, and it affects our ability to actually recycle in some communities. In some communities, there's just no place for your recyclables to go. There's no market for it. There's nobody who will take it and turn it into something else. And we were talking about that and the, the effect that the global economy even has on recycling. And, Keith, I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about that. I don't feel like we finished that line of thought. So tell us more. Sure. And, you know, we were talking about the sensitivity of, of the recycling industry in particular to the global economy um, you know, because a lot of the materials are, are shipped out of the country where, you know, it gets sensitive to economic upturns or downturns, um, not only in the U.S., but elsewhere. And we did see a, a big global downturn that really impacted the recycling industry um, a couple of years ago. Now, things have bounced back pretty nicely, so it's not 
quite the dire straits that uh, things were in a couple of years ago. Um, and it has come back pretty nicely. But one of the, the lessons learned from that, perhaps, is that, you know, we really need to be able to adapt uh, quickly to changes. And I'm talking changes in fuel or energy prices or changes in, in economic conditions in, in the U.S. or globally um, that might impact things. So, and you sort of hit on this uh, before we left on break. One of the one of the challenges now is, you know, how do we design a system that can adapt to those types of changes? Um, so, if we have, you know, all of a sudden a big downturn in the secondary material prices uh, for recycled materials, um, you know, what do we do with that material? Do we stockpile it? Do we send it to a landfill? Um, you know, probably the best option might be to send it to a waste energy facility and produce energy from it. Mm. Um, so, you know, the, the ability to be flexible is, is uh, I think, key in our future. Um, you know, one other point here that we really haven't touched on is, is composting. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you, when we talk recycling, I'm talking materials recycling. I'm talking about uh, recycling aluminum into new aluminum cans, for example. Um, but composting is another facet that's all, often included under the recycling umbrella. And, you know, even after recycling, um, there's only so many organic things you can recycle. If you look at uh, yard waste, for example, or food waste, you know, you can't really turn those into a, a, a consumer product, per se. Um, so the way to recycle those is through composting. Um, and that's actually a, a decent way to deal with those types of waste um, because on a, from a waste energy standpoint, they're, they're high moisture, low BTU type materials. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, adding composting into this mix of waste management options is a, a good option as well. Um, and we did some research for the, the state of California a couple of years ago that specifically looked at compost and compost product that was being used by uh, more small-scale farms in California to collect data and information about how it was being applied and what sort of uh, take soil samples to get at, you know, what sort of benefits that compost application has had over time in terms of nutrient values, uh, the ability to conserve water, um, and also looking at soil carbon sequestration, which is also often you know, cited when we're talking composting. And the bottom bottom line is that, you know, compost does provide good benefits in terms of, you know, providing nutrients uh, to, uh, you know, supplement or maybe displace some fertilizer use. And, you know, it also helps uh, increase water retention so you can, you know, conserve water for portions or areas of the country that, uh, you know, may not have uh uh, water resources, um, which is, uh, you know, the southwest of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, on the carbon side, you do get some additional carbon, soil carbon sequestration, um, but it's, you know, relatively small compared to what can be achieved by, you know, uh, energy from waste or recycling type uh, system. Um, but it's still a benefit. So, you know, I think what we're getting at here is a, you know, a mix of different options is, is really a, a good way to go. Well, no doubt about that. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I think composting is one of my favorite ways of of dealing with waste. I mean, it's just, it's 
so natural, you know. And yet I live in California, in Alameda County, where they have been trying for literally years to site a composting facility, and it hasn't been accomplished. So it, it can be very aggravating when it comes to the public policy setting side of, of things, trying to even site you know, a, a place to take the composting. I don't know if you run into that much in your research where you've seen, you know, those types of obstacles, but from a purely scientific um, and purely, um, you know, what's good for planet Earth perspective, composting is a great option. But again, you know, a lot of times the public who might say, yeah, this is a great idea, doesn't even know um, how they can get involved in the public policy setting side of things. Have you seen very many cases, or is Alameda County in California just special in that way? <laughs> no, that that happens everywhere. And, you know, we I think we touched on some of this in our, our last conversation we had where, you know, no nobody cares too much about waste management until somebody wants to put a facility in their neighborhood or in their community. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, through some work we did with the, the Integrated Waste Management Board in California, where we were looking at specifically landfill diversion alternatives and, you know, how do we get up to, say, 75% diversion uh, of, you know, sending waste to landfills in, in the future. Um, and I think what a lot of people, you know, don't think about really is, okay, if we're diverting that stuff from a landfill, you know, where's it going to go? And if it goes to composting uh, type operations or, you know, even recycling or some other operation, um, they're typically smaller scale than, than a, a large regional landfill or, you know, maybe even a waste energy facility. So it, it's not a matter of, of putting, you know, a couple new fa- facilities or a couple new compost facilities or recycling facilities in a region. Um, you know, you're really talking about, uh, hundreds of new facilities. Um, so, you know, you start thinking through the process of getting all those facilities cited and permitted, and, you know, it's, it's going to be quite challenging. Do you guys get into um, advising, you know, organizations or government agencies on, you know, maybe a template for success when it comes to citing facilities like that? I mean, is that something that's in your purview? Not especially. We're more on the the analysis end of of what it might cost for different options and what the you know environmental aspects are of different options. You know, we're typically not that involved in in the siting, permitting, um, you know, decision making end. So you know, we're doing really a couple pieces of the entire decision making process, and you know, there's a lot of things that factor into those decisions. So local budgets. Um, you know, aesthetics, just uh, local perceptions and, and lobbies for those perceptions. Um, you know, so there's a whole host of, of scientific, economic, political, and, you know, just social factors that play into any decision that gets made. I want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about some of the waste conversion technologies. Um, we've talked about waste energy facilities. What else is out there, and how do they work? Sure. There's, um, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about um, what's called waste conversion technologies, and basically what they are are either thermal or biochemical processes that are designed to convert waste into usable uh, chemical or, or, 
syngas type products. Um, and when I'm talking uh, biochemical, what that means is using uh, biological enzymes and other other um, bugs basically to break down the waste. So if you have organic material like food waste, um, you could use that in a anaerobic digestion type operation. And you know it's an enclosed uh, unit that basically has um, designed to extract the the gas from from the organics. It's a basically a, a vessel to biodegrade the material and and drive off the gas. And out the back end, you get a a kind of a peat-like compost product. Um, you know, aside from that, the other ones that are are being talked about a lot are, are technologies like gasification, pyrolysis, uh, plasma gasification, uh, plasma arc treatment. Period, and those all entail an enclosed system that uses heat and pressure to um, convert the the you know inherent uh, energy in the materials from one form to another and you have to remember that you know everything's bound by the the first law of thermodynamics here so the energy you get out of these facilities is cannot be any greater than the energy value of the materials that you're putting in there Right. Uh, so if you have a lot of low energy materials, it's you know not going to help too much to put them through a process and get you know a, a, a fraction of the, that energy out. Right. So really, a lot of the the thermal uh, processes look at the the high BTU value items such as the non recyclable plastics, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, Keith, we're going to have to take a quick commercial break, but we uh, we'll follow this vein when we come back, folks. Don't go away because we have more with Keith and more Go Green Radio right after this. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at one eight six six four seven two five seven eight seven. One eight six six four seven two fifty seven eighty seven. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it twenty six percent? Forty three percent? Or 14%. Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. The Interstate Sportsman Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Friday mornings at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 Eastern, for the Interstate Sportsman on the Voice America channel. Go inside the world of PR with PR Insider, hosted by public relations expert Maureen Kettis. Maureen will speak to the world's highest profile PR pros from the fields of marketing, advertising, and sales. And PR Insider will feature renowned members of the media as special guests. Maureen will give you a VIP access pass, including tips and tricks to take your business to the next level. PR Insider with Maureen Kettis, sponsored by Cision, us.cision.com. Listen every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Network. Streaming live. 
the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad you could join us. If you've joined us in the middle of the show and you're thinking, oh, man, I really wish I would have caught the beginning of this show. I want to hear it again. You have an option. We are syndicated on the Green Talk Network. You can find that network by going to voiceamerica.com and clicking on the button that says Green Talk Network. This show will air again next Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, noon to 1 p.m. Eastern, and everybody in between, do the math for yourself, but that's when you can hear it again. If you've been listening to the whole show and you want your friends to hear about it, please recommend that they check it out on the Green Talk Network next Tuesday. Well, we are back, and we are talking about some various um, waste conversion technologies. Keith, I interrupted you for a commercial break, but I want to give you the chance to finish the very interesting you know, topic that we were talking about is these very different plasma arc and different technologies to convert waste into something useful. So go ahead and finish that thought. Sure. Well, you know, these technologies are basically designed um, similar to waste energy to produce a usable energy product. Um, now, different from waste energy where you're, you know, putting everything in and turning a boiler, basically kind of like a utility plant, um, these conversion technologies are generating a, a syngas stream, and that syngas stream can be used for you know different purposes in itself. You can burn that syngas in a, in a generator set to produce electricity, or you could convert that gas to a liquid fuel product that could be used to power vehicles, for example. Mm. Um, you know, one of the advantages of these technologies is that. Uh, because you are producing this syngas, you, you have the ability to clean that gas before you combust it. Um, so you can have, you know, a, a more controlled uh, energy product out the back end and, um, you know, a, a cleaner cleaner burning product. Um, and these technologies aren't anything new. Um, they've been used for many, many years for different applications. You know, we've heard about tire pyrolysis and other things. Um, but their application to dealing with, you know, just garbage that we throw away every day is new, and it's quite challenging because of the mixture and cross-contamination of different materials. So there's been, you know, a lot of technology uh, R&D in the past few years um, to look at how we can apply these technologies to to just straight municipal-type garbage. Um, you know, typically what's needed is is more a more uniform and specific input stream than, for example, a waste energy plant would require. So that entails more front-end uh, type recycling and removal of unwanted materials. Um, and that's where a lot of these technologies are, are really facing a lot of the challenges. You can't just throw waste as it's received into them. You really need to have a more controlled input. Um, so whereas a, you know, a lot of the test or bench scale um, technologies uh, out there for these, you know, they, they have a, a, you know, a mix of material that they've specifically tailored 
that they know will work in the facility, uh, but actually ramping that up to a commercial scale facility that's just accepting, you know, unprocessed or even processed waste is, is quite a challenge. Well, you know, we've talked about a variety of options. You know, we've talked about landfills. We've talked about waste energy, waste conversion technologies, composting and recycling. And I don't want to leave our viewers, or I mean our listeners, with the idea that, you know, it's just a potpourri of options out there. I want to drill right down to the core question. What is the base, best waste strategy for managing our municipal solid waste? Sure. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of a question that's based on, on what your values are. Um, but in general, what we typically see is that, you know, integrated systems that, um, you know, have multiple options uh, rather than singular strategies like just send everything to a landfill um, have the most value. And that's because each option really has its place and its value as part of the integrated system. You know, landfills for most of the country, are still the cheapest uh, way to manage waste, you know, particularly when you get out of the, the northeast or east coast of the country. Um, so, and that can make it hard for other alternatives to compete. Now, there's, you know, subsidies and other things that can even that out, but, you know, that's still the case. If we're talking energy recovery, um, you know, maybe they're best in locations that have heavy fossil fuel power production. Um, you know, mass burn may be best in, you know, large cities or cities that have good regional integration uh, where they can get, you know, large quantities of waste to, to convert to energy. And, you know, when we're talking conversion technologies, one of the benefits of those is that they're smaller, more modular, and perhaps could be placed more easily, you know, at an existing landfill or other site. And so maybe they're better you know, as a mix within larger regions or even smaller communities since they have a, you know, a smaller block of waste to manage. Um, you know, when we talk recycling, it's good in, in just about every location, uh, you know, especially if it can be done efficiently. And it's, you know, maybe best for locations that have regional uh, manufacturing uh, facilities right there uh, to keep the benefits local. So if we're talking, you know, glass and glass recycling, um, you know, if I'm located anywhere near Toledo, Ohio, that's probably a good place to do some glass recycling because there's glass facilities right there. Um, and, you know, as we talked about, composting is also good most places for, one, keeping organics out of the landfill, um, and two, for, for producing a, a usable product that can help you know, not only amend soils for regions that may have, you know, poorer soils, but also provide benefits in terms of nutrients and water retention. And, you know, as we talked about through the show, um, the ability for uh, cities and municipalities and regions to, you know, change their, their mix of management based on economic conditions, et cetera, uh, you know, really seems like it's going to be a, a valuable thing to have in the future. Um, and, you know, that's on paper when we start running the, the cost and, you know, energy and carbon and other emissions, and that type of uh, integrated system also plays out very well. Well, you know, so much of these decisions that happen at a local level to the casual observer seem so subjective. You have special interests that lobby, you know, 
uh, elected officials or public policy decision makers. In the minute or so that we have left, tell us, is there coming a day when there will be an objective tool that everyday people can get on and use and look at Really, what is the cost-benefit analysis of a right of you know an integrated approach in my area? If I live in Kansas City, what objectively, from an economic and sustainability perspective, is the best system for my municipal solid waste? Is that coming? I mean, it's like a cloud issue, cloud computing. <laughs> you know, go to the cloud, sure. do this. <laughs> no, we've that's really what we've been doing for the past uh, fifteen, twenty years in this area is trying to develop data and tools for you know an objective assessment of of different options. And of course, um, you know the the answer depends on the question. So the answer for which option is cheapest may not be the answer for which strategy or option you know reduces carbon emissions the most. And that's the that's the value of what we've been doing is we can easily you know look at different scenarios, different objectives, and and come up with you know what are the trade-offs. So it's not as much you know picking the right solution or even having a tool make decisions for you, it's it's what can we learn by looking at different scenarios or different questions. And, you know, we've been doing this with our municipal solid waste decision support tool for, you know, almost 15, 20 years now. Um, and we're getting ready to launch a, a next generation of it that will be something that people will be able to, you know, purchase and download to their computers directly. So we're trying to get this objective type analysis uh, out there more more readily accessible for everyday people. Very cool. And please let me know when that happens, and we'll talk about that again on Go Green Radio so that everybody can check that out. Seems like there ought to be an app for that. You know, I'm such an iPhone junkie. I just want an app for everything. But even just having something that I could purchase for my my clunky old laptop would be great as well. Well, thanks, Keith, for joining us, and thank you, loyal listeners, for tuning in to Go Green Radio. We will be back same time, same place next week. Until then, have a great week, and go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.